All right, guys, thanks for checking out the At The Buzzer podcast. This is your source for everything related to Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and the Charlotte Hornets. Stay tuned, subscribe, follow along for everything you need to know about the Hornets. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of At The Buzzer. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock A Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, Cavalier Central, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoop Heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. All right, we are back again with another At The Buzzer podcast. Uh, today, we got a very special guest, Filippo Barazzi. Barazzi I'm, I'm mispronouncing it slightly there, I'm sure, um, who is a, a big Hornets fan and uh, has like worked on various things, including the shot and then also the Queen's Guard. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, everything is uh, fine. Don't worry about the pronunciation. And thanks for having me here. Um, thanks for real. Uh, I'm I'm always open to to speak some ornaments uh, here. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think first things we'll just like kind of jump into here are the last couple of games. Um, and I I guess so. We had the most recent ones were the Suns game and the Heat game. Um, what have your perspective been either on the last two games or just like the team as a whole since Lamo went down with injury? Yeah, um, I've seen the, the video that you posted uh, on your personal profile on Twitter uh, talking about the, the pace of game that uh, really decreased when Lamelo went down. And that was interesting. And I feel that we are missing him. It was obvious because his impact has been really great this season and the way he played and the way he translated to the NBA um, with uh, his fast-paced style and all the guys, all the team following this new play style, um, it's really bothering to to not see that anymore and 
especially like uh, the last game against the Suns uh, in the third quarter, um, it was pretty um, significant that we were missing uh, him because uh, uh, the Suns are a great defensive team and we were not scoring the ball. We were not pushing the pace and we uh, were forced to attack uh, their defense that was set in the half court and our offensive team in the half court um, is still not yet good, uh, especially when we can't, um, you know, dribble to the rim and also with Malik out. So that was a little bit of, of a bummer to lose uh, Lamelo. I'm still a believer on the playoff run, so I'm totally into it. And I'm, I may feel a pretty confident uh, about reaching at least the play-in, but I mean, it's all uh, really close because the other team at the deadline were mm, improved a lot. Uh, the Heat uh, did that. Also, I think the Raptors are, are slightly better with uh, retaining Kyle Lowry and the Bulls obviously um, improved a lot and went quite all-in. So, it's going to be hard, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be hard, especially without uh, that good of a player that Lamelo has been in this first part of the season. Yeah, I think that's all like very solid points on your end. For me, the biggest takeaway, in addition to the pace, is we're, like, aesthetically, it's, it's less fun. Uh, Lamelo is, like, such an exciting basketball player to watch, and for me... I'm just like, I don't have the same excitement turning on Hornets games that I had previous to the season. And I'm someone who's a little lower on our playoff chances, which I've said before. And I still think we probably are going to be a play-in game-like team or in that range for me, more so than like someone who is going to be like five, six, or seven, even though we are, I think, still technically four right now. And I losing LaMelo, in addition to the aesthetic reasons... Uh, we lose a guy who can score, and I don't think he is an elite scorer at this point in time. He definitely isn't. But when you compare his ability to create for others, he has like the lowest, uh, uh, in terms of like uh, uh, field goals assisted on, he has the lowest rate, meaning he's creating for himself more than anybody else on this team. And when you like take his minutes and then give them to a like Caleb Martin, Cody Martin, even like a Malik Monk, you just like lower the ability to like create in the half court, which we definitely saw during the Suns game with both Lamelo and Malik out. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to add something about this because I was watching some data um, during last week, and I saw that um, if you take uh, in consideration uh, point per possession on isolation scoring, uh, Lamelo has a better point. Per possession than a guy like Kyrie Irving, obviously with a lot less of possessions, but that is really interesting because you don't see um, guys and players at the first year doing that, especially with that good of, a, of an efficiency, and especially with the story that Lamelo had entering into the last year draft, because a lot of us uh, and I'm closely watching to the to the NCAA and the draft uh, for the magazine I work with, and we were th- we were not thinking that Lamelo was that good of a scorer as he has been this season, and especially because his first step wasn't projected to be this good, but he's, he showed that he working on that, and he showed that he can make that you know uh, next step uh, into becoming one of the best player, you know, 
top like 20 25 player in the nba so uh, that was great to see for him and missing that is really important especially with the team uh, like the hornets that um, are missing a lot uh, talented wise uh, in their roster construction so I'm gonna hope that we can, you know, um, find a way to succeed even without him. And to be uh, adding another point with the play in tournament position, we're gonna have a really good um, schedule in this last part of the season. So that boosts my hope uh, heading into the last part of the season. And we're going to have a lot of home games uh, after the, the next um, um, stretch of uh, East games that we are going to face in the next week. So this also um, helps me saying that we are in a good position to, to make them and to make the play in at least. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. And one thing which I guess we can kind of like jump into you know, what happened during the trade deadline in terms of these other teams in the same range. Uh, I know that we have, I think we're like 20th or 19th, like in terms of uh, strength of schedule remaining, like i.e. we have the 10th or 11th easiest schedule. Uh, But the teams that are kind of below us in the rankings, the Bulls clearly got much better. And I'm not a very big fan of like trading for Vucevic in the situation that they were in. I mean, I understand it's like they're trying to win, but in terms of how it relates to the Hornets, they will probably jump us by the end of the year unless something kind of catastrophically goes wrong for them. I think the Heat are going to continue just to get better and better. They've had a lot of injuries. They've dealt with a lot of COVID stuff. That's one thing this Hornet squad has not dealt with much at all. I think it's only been really the Martins that have been out for any significant time with COVID-related uh, like health and safety protocol type stuff. I Magic are clearly given up. They're out on the season. The Raptors are a really interesting one. I thought they were going to move Lowry. That's kind of where the tea leaves were kind of supporting. The fact that he's staying there, and while they did trade away like Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas or Ian Thomas, um, they're they're still in the hunt, and they have a better point differentiation a uh, point differentiation than we do. I think we're I think still tenth or eleventh in the East in terms of that. And that's in part due our like clutch time scoring, which uh, is still continued on. You know, I know we kind of uh, gave it up a little bit with uh, you know both the Suns and then the Miami game, but uh, we were down at what was it like eight points with about a minute and a half left in the Suns game, and then Terry Rozier. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but dude can really score when there's like four minutes left on the clock or in overtime, which is really impressive. Yeah, that was really great. Those two games were great. Uh, even we, if uh, we lost to the Suns, um, the la- the end of the game was fantastic. And uh, watching Rozier and even Graham eat two big shots, so uh, that that was really great. And talking about the deadline, um, yeah, the Bulls. Uh, I'm not I'm not that sure that they're gonna jump on us right now. They are. Uh, a good bit behind us and this Vucevic Lowry Markkanen tandem in the front court is gonna make them uh, have a lot of adjust- adjustment to do because uh, handling a defensive scheme with those two um, 
guys that suffer uh, during defense and even with uh, Zach Lavin and their rookie Patrick Williams in the lineup uh, it's, it's not gonna be easy for them to to adjust on the fly uh, like that especially you know Billy Donovan is known as a, an offensive coach and not a, a, a really great defensive mind so um, it's gonna be tough for them to to be ready uh, but for sure they they've become they've become better and they wanted to go all in so their mentality is definitely uh, that one to to try try and push for the playoff and i think that the raptors um uh, did a good job uh, when retaining they decided to retain to retain Kyle Lowry and not selling him for low and they uh, lost Norman Powell but then got uh, Gary Trent Jr which I like a lot I like and, him a lot too yeah and lo- uh, also Rodney Hood which I, which I like him a lot too so those are true players that are going to boost them uh, are going to boost their defense they are going to boost their their scoring ability and you know, when you when you were facing the Raptors, you were facing a team uh, full of good players, uh, good players that can handle the ball and can do something on the floor. And then they had two players that can also do that. So it is like you know they're gotten better even in that in that range and with their play style. So they have a lot of op- options uh, offensively and added two good defenders. So. I'm going to fear them also a little bit more than the Bulls right now. So uh, they are going to overcome us without a doubt. They are really struggling with COVID, as you said. And I've seen that our players are starting to get COVID vaccination, right? With the social media page. Who on the Hornets have gotten vaccinated? I was not aware of this. Yeah, I'm sure that Gordon Hayward had okay. that. So if you're if we are gonna have you know fully vaccinated team and you know go into the into the last part of the season, that's gonna be great because you're not suffering COVID at all. And a lot of teams out there uh, lost a lot of games because of that. So that's great. Also, uh, closing with the the East. Uh, the East team, the Hawks are better than us. The Celtics are better than, than us, uh, even with the the difficulties that they had during the season. So they're going to overcome us uh, pretty surely. Yeah, the Pacers are another team we haven't mentioned in this range, which I think they're, again, a good team. And it's like unclear to me. I wouldn't be shocked if we finish above them. I wouldn't be shocked if we finish below them. Um, so I, I think that's all a fair point. Uh one thing that, like, do you think, you mentioned with the Bulls, I don't see Lowry and Vucevic playing together all that often. I think it is, like, more likely that Thad Young will fill into that role. Do you disagree? Uh, yeah, it could be. And also could be an option to go for Daniel Tice, um, having some minutes, because they're going to need to split them, uh, because that's not sustainable. I've watched some, some, you know period of the the Spurs game so their first game together and it was hard to watch they weren't you know defending a, a basic situation so pick and rolls and something like that and I want to I want to say another thing uh, about the, the the standings because I've I was reading last mm, before after the heat game that we surely have 
the um, the winning you know how do you say that um, we won the the series in the in the regular season against the Hawks and the Heat so uh, we have the tiebreaker against them and that's big with with uh, those close standings certainly, right now certainly yeah i think the tiebreaker will come into play and like if you look back at uh well, the 2015-2016 season, there was like, I think, three or four teams with 48 wins, including us. And uh, there was four because it was the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth seed. And just due to tiebreaker, we ended up in that sixth seed slot. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was the thing I had in mind that mm-hmm. we we slipped to the, to the sixth spot because of tiebreaker, right? Yeah, we slipped into the sixth slot and then we were had to play Miami Heat, who were in the third seed. Uh, and er, they had court yeah. advantage because of that those tiebreakers, so it was a mm-hmm. bummer. And, yeah. and from that moment, you know, until now, I'm watching every tiebreaker we have uh, near <laughs> our standing. So totally, totally, yeah. Also, Twain Raid hit like what three threes in that like game six and game seven. It was like insane overall. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Tice. He was someone I was so bummed we didn't end up picking up. We had the empty roster spot if the Celtics were trying to like get rid of like luxury tax concerns. He seems like, why didn't we go out and get this guy? Especially when all that was given up was like what? It was like Mo Wagner and no one else. I thought he would be a really nice fit, either starting or backing up Cody Zeller. Because at this point, it's like, it is. I, I love Bismack Bambo as a guy. I think we should hire him as assistant coach. But we are so much worse with him on the floor, even with his one like highlight block he gets every other game. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm really, you know, uh, sad that we didn't go for him. And you're right because he's a great player and fits the system, uh, our system, really well. And I remember that during, you know, the deadline day, it was a real, bu- real bu- busy day, and. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about Kate Smith, that is a Celtics, uh, you know, source on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He tweeted out that um, the the Hornets were pursuing uh, Daniel Theis and to keep an eye on them um, if they are not closing the deal into the deadline uh, about the summer. And then after 10 minutes, the Bulls... traded for him so it was a bummer for real because it was like a missed opportunity and we have a big problem at the five position and i I totally agree with you also um i love cody zeller i love his play style and i love how borrego uses him on the floor with our system but man he's not playing at all um, he's not consistent with his minutes because of injuries. Uh, he's always hurt, and so he's gonna be a problem too. Uh, I, I would really like to to retain those guys because you you need those type of of guys on the on the roster. Uh, Bees for his veteran, you know, role and Zeller because he's a really good player. But then you have those two and two rookies, and you you're you're getting crowded at the five position. But without having a good option, a consistent option for the the worst season, so this is a problem, and it's gonna be, uh, we're gonna need to address it in the in the free agency for sure. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes is the person I'm most interested in in terms of like free agency options. Um, I, it's a tough situation because we're getting into this position where it's like we have some cap space this summer, but we have large cap holds for Monk a 4.71 for Devontae Graham. So you're getting into the question if you want to retain Monk, 
and you're not going to sign the deal like right at midnight, which seemingly Kupchak doesn't even negotiate with players prior. Um, he's one of the few GMs who doesn't do that, that we're going to have to function as an over the cap team, most likely, um, or at least one with zero cap space. So it's either we renounce Monk, sign a very quick deal with him, um, or we're stuck to like a big on the MLE. And when you look at like uh, mid-level exception bigs, there's not a ton of great options out there. I don't think I don't want Ennis Cantor on this team. I like Jermichael Green, but I don't think he's a starting caliber center. And then it's just like, can you get Daniel Tice for the MLE? Maybe, you know, um, Cody Zeller is great. I think he's really excellent when he's on the floor and not playing someone who is significantly bigger than him. He just can't stand up to the Joel Embiid's, you know, the even like the Hassan Whiteside, anybody who's got weight on him, he really struggles in those matchups. DeAndre Aiden, another example of that. One reason that I wasn't incredibly bummed we didn't throw up uh, first round picks in order to bring in a big one, because it's like, I think that's too big of an asset. But I really enjoyed PJ Washington as a small ball five, where those lineups have been always on the positive. And well, PJ is like, I think not good defensively. I'm ready to say that. Uh, I'd be interested in your take on him as like playing the backup five in his role on defense in general. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, let's start with with Christian Holes because um, I really like him, and you mentioned my work with the shot uh, starting this, and I also had to cover the the Sacramento Kings f- uh, for this season, so I watched a lot of games um, of them, and Holmes uh, is a really good player. He is capable of playing, you know, proper offense and defense, playing with space, playing uh, in transition and doing something with the ball in his hand, playing the DHO game and also had the, this uh, push shot from the I love the, his push shot. Line. It's so fun. Man. So fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you look at the, the number of assists that Halliburton is averaging right now, is like, you know, having five assists per game and you can count that... Uh, three at a game for him are for Holmes uh, and a push shot at the line without creating any space. So mm-hmm. those are fake assists. I'm, I'm going to address this right now. <laughs> so <laughs> in terms of the rookie of the year campaign, but let's not get into it. So uh, I would really like Holmes. And there is a thing that uh, is positive for us because the, the Kings uh, uh, went to the, into the deadline uh, as uh, buyers, so they didn't um, trade neither Hield or uh, Barnes, so they will have uh, they will won't have uh, any type of cap space during this summer. And I've seen during you know the the day after the deadline that they are will be able to offer Holmes something like ten millions. Uh, four years contract. So yeah, with the early bird rights, total. that's correct. Yeah. So this is not a lot, and we can uh, work with that uh, if uh, any other team in the in the NBA is not interested in that. So we can still have a shot at, uh, at that. Um, also, you know, retaining Monk and Graham and those situations going to need to be addressed, even, even if I think that we are not going to have those two Mm, at the same time next year uh, I'm 
I'm pretty confident to say that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let's now get into the PJ um the PJ statement that you actually made right now. Um yeah, talk I'm to not me. sure let's about get, that. Uh in terms of him being a good small ball five or him being a below average defender, which one? Uh let's start with the second. I think that his defense is great and great. He's, Whoa. Now, you know, let's talk about this. Uh, on the ball, uh, he struggles like um, a lot of players on our roster. Uh, he can, He's not that good at sliding his feet no. uh, and containing a dribble penetration. That's fair. And But this is, uh, you know, um, um, a common team on our roster. And when it comes to off-ball defense and, you know, being able to rotate and cover for other mistakes, uh, this is where... He is really, really great at doing that. And also contesting shots, uh, you know, straight, going straight and not chasing the block a lot. And also he has a good number of steal and blocks, uh, even with that. Uh, I, I say the dubs that you are coming with here, you know, with the on-ball defense. And also with the, the fact, uh, I think that you are referring to the fact that he falls quite a lot and this is a yeah. problem but yeah. uh, i'm i'm pretty sure that the half of those foes that he's getting called at i mean those are not foes and he's keeping on getting bad calls game after game and and when i watch it it, it is incredible because he's gonna like the the last game he went one-on-one with devin booker a lot of times handled him uh, contested the shot and getting called for an non-existent fall, and the same happened with Butler, and the same happened with the the Aaron Fox in the Kings game, and it it kept happening game by game and during the game for like at the end of every game he has five fouls, and I mean I'm I'm not getting it. Yeah, so I I'll address like point by point. For me, his on-ball defense is is lacking. Um, he is not someone who can go out and guard a big wing. And no one in the world can guard LeBron, but PJ got roasted by LeBron. Whether it was step backs, him being like drove by, I don't trust his ability to guard out on the perimeter. He's just like kind of a half step too slow sliding his feet. And he often gets in these because of our switching scene, these one-on-one situations. And I know exactly what type of plays you're talking about with like Jimmy and with uh, Devin Booker. But even often when he sort of contains, it's with a double coming. So you get someone like a monk, like a Rogier, one of our guards who's guarding the corner, is having to like stunt over, which allows the ball to be kicked out and moved around a little bit more. And it's just like, that's, I don't think it is like horrendous. I don't think it's like causing huge issues in the defense, but that's like not good defense overall. Now, as a weak side rim protector, he's all right. You know, he rotates over pretty well. He's got that 7-2 wingspan. He's able to, like, you know, he has decent verticality, I would say. But he does get caught so often. And I do think a lot of these are kind of like 50-50, like, is it verticality? Is it a blocking foul situation where he does get caught for these fouls? And I'm with you that a lot of them, I'm like, eh, I don't know. And I do think part of it is his, like, kind of body type. He is, like, a very stout you know, man. So when defenders, especially guards, go up against them, they have a tendency to bounce off. And because of that, I think more fouls are called. Where if you see like P- 
people who are, I guess, more athletically explosive, but just even more slender, like a JaVale McGee type, if they're just bounced up and they're a little, you know, they're less stout, it's going to be the contact that's initiated will look less than what actually is going on. Um, I, I, I don't know. I got hope for PJ, but uh, that's kind of where I see it. I don't know if you have a response to all that. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, let's gonna you know keep on with that because it's really interesting. So um, with the the physical thing that you mentioned, uh, JB talked about this uh, starting the season. So he said that uh, his shape was really not good uh, entering this season, and that uh, was important in his you know production on the court. So. If he's gonna have you know this summer time to work uh, on his body and to, you know to get a little bit stronger, especially on the lower side of his body, I think that could help his defense a little bit and also his um, options at the small ball five when he needs to guard another you know big guy and not get out uh, you know get pushed out of his spot. So uh, I think that. This could be uh, a thing for him in the summer, so we're gonna see that, uh, especially because his body has been the same from like the his last year of college and his sophomore year. He's, he hasn't worked on that. Uh, if you look at Miles, he's bigger, and you know also Devonte look really um, with mu- more muscle muscles. Um, so every you don't see that uh, type of um, work on the body uh, with PJ, and oh, this could be could address some of your doubts. Uh, and with the um, you know small ball five thing, I think that um, he's not going to be and to be required to uh, be you know that disruptive on defense when they, he's out there playing the five. Uh, you can see that we are playing, you know, the offense game when we go yeah, for this totally. situation. So they, they just, uh, you know, there is some possession then uh, they score on us and it's like, who cares? Let's let's go out there and take a, 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 a three pointer uh, to overcome that disadvantage. So a lot of these, um, uh, you know, the, the thing with him playing the small ball five uh, is how good it is in the offensive game as a screener and as a short role player. And one other thing that I want to address to save his defensive, you know, reputation is that a lot of times he need to um, recover for other players' errors because when we have and when a team has uh, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham trying to stop the first uh, you know, uh, ball penetration. Yeah, that is a very then, valid point. You know, he does not the have back guards line, who can help him out. No. Yeah, the back line need to come over, help. You know, maybe not in the best position they wanted to be, and that's when error occurs. So uh, this could be a problem. And this, you know, this thing has to do and to deal with the whole evaluation of the Hornets as a defensive. Uh, scheme and as defensive uh, options uh, it's really tough to separate you know the the talent of the players while defend while playing defense and what JB is doing and the scheme that he uh, is trying to have so it's not easy to to pick a guy and say hey uh, I don't know what are you doing there I think I just think that uh, we have a lot of uh, bad personnel defensively uh, that um just 
you know, have a role when we are discussing the Hornets as a defensive team and every other player as defensive, you know, abilities. And this, you know, is could be could uh, you know could be talked about with PJ, but also with Miles and other players out there. Yeah, and when it comes to PJ, one thing I will say specifically, I don't think he is making like bad rotations. I don't think he is like ball watching too often. I think a lot of his bad defensibility is just lack of physical ability. I don't think he is ever, maybe if he drops a lot of weight, he'll be able to get a little quicker laterally, but I think he's just a little too slow laterally. I think he is just a little too small, like height wise, even with his like long wingspan. 7'2 is like long for a four, but for a five, it's like about average, you know? Uh, I mean, it's longer than Cody Zeller's, but that's another thing to talk about there. Um, yeah, he surely need to work on that, and I, I hope he can address that. Yeah, but I know. Let's imagine we have a mind starting type of player as a five. That would really help him. You know, oh, who type um, of player? The five. Sorry, say that again. Miles Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner. Five, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah I, this this roster is begging for like a athletic rim protector at the five. You know, like Miles Turner. I would even like someone with a little more like vertical pop. Um, you know, it's just like, oh man, the, it would fit so well. Just give LaMelo, like, let's say Jackson Hayes ends up being really good or just like X DJ, you know, uh, like DJ in 2015, you know, like that level of player would be really nice to have next to LaMelo and PJ alike. Uh, yeah. I and when you had, when you had those type of players as a five, you know, the, the full team gets better on defense, like yes. in one game. So this is it. Yeah. And I think it's worth like debating right now uh, whether you would rather have like PJ or Miles Bridges, because maybe you disagree. But I really think Miles has proved himself to succeed more at the power forward position. And I don't think he is someone who can really guard threes in a lot of ways. And I think defensively and offensively is more of a four. So it's like, where are you at with, like, if we can only sign one between Miles and PJ? Or do you think it's like, this is the team we can move forward with? They are, we're not going to add any more talent. We need to sign everybody. Where are you at with that? Oh, Mike. I'm, I'm going to, I'm really, you know, um, true with you. And I'm a PJ guy. Oh, I'm and a big PJ I'm, guy. I'm a big PJ guy too, so I'm I'm not gonna go out there and, and say I'm gonna retain Miles Bridges uh, instead of PJ Washington. So for me, the the the, the decision is pretty obvious. Uh, the thing is with those two that you already know that uh, they're not going to be um, a second option on a title team. Um, that's for sure. So uh, you 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 saw in those two years, especially that they are limited in something in different ways. But one thing that they are limiting in, and this applies to both of them, uh, that they are not consistent players. Uh, and it when it comes to offense or defense, because like you like you saw uh, the last game, PJ had zero point on zero 
uh, out of seven shots. And then he had 42 points against the Kings. And then Miles explode for 25 points. And the game after, he's going to score zero. And, you know, this is stressing to see because Certainly. neither uh, of those two uh, are consistent out there uh, with defense and with offense because you also have uh, a lot of time defensively when they are not engaged. Uh, but I get it because they are young, but the th- the fact that we saw with Lamelo that he's already out there putting 25 points every damned night, I mean, this is what uh, an NBA style looks like. Okay, so, um, and this is what, you know, how uh, NBA good players looks like. They need to be consistent and consistency, consistency with those two is a really big problem. But I think that knowing that they are not going to be stars, I'm going to choose the, the better role player out of, out of them. And this is PJ, no matter what. Uh, especially because I, I think that PJ is a better defender than Miles. Even, even if, even if, if Miles uh, had a really, a really good, huge, uh, a really good uh, step forward this year. Especially guarding his step on the board is situation. like the worst defender in the NBA to like a below average defender, which is a huge jump. But it's like he is still not a good defender, and we should be clear about that. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I, I was remembering last year that uh, I was looking at some data like the PIPM, and he was uh, at four sh- small forwards. And he was really, really, really behind uh, the, the other group of players. And he was paired with Kevin Knox uh, from the Knicks. So yeah. this is a, <laughs> an example of how bad he, he is on situation. And uh, if you take on consideration the whole season. And he's been better defending the ball. But when he's not on the ball more, uh, he's still misses a lot of rotation and he still misses you know he still isn't consistent uh, on every defensive possession and then he's out there on the offensive side uh, passing open shots and not driving the rim as he could because he has the physical abilities so I'm I'm really open into um, you know getting rid of him Uh, as fast as we can even if it sounds you know a little bit creepy with the situation we are in right now and with all the good we've we've seen uh with the world roster in this year but yes i'm a pj guy i'm gonna ride with that um and i'm gonna be you know i I think also that uh, even if we uh heard a lot of airbnb nicknames and throw a lob for miles it's fun uh, it's a ton of fun from, yeah yeah for Melo, but you know that's not how you win games mm-hmm. and that's 100%. not we're, we're gonna we're gonna need to address that yeah for sure yeah i think miles bridges is like so exciting to see play basketball and i think he and I wish there was like a way someone could do a stat of like highlight good plays to regular basketball normal good plays because I feel like uh, Bridges would have the highest like part of just like highlight good plays compared to regular good plays of any player in the league. Uh, even when he put up like 25 points, it was like off five dunks. You know, it's like he is so exciting to see him like rise up. Uh, Rogier had a, like a really nice alley-oop to him in the Heat game. But uh, defensively, I don't think he's very good. And offensively, Miles is very limited. He doesn't have a good enough handle 
to really drive outside of creation situ like or advantage situations. His shooting has gotten better, but it's still like at league average. He is a pretty good he's gotten better as a playmaker. It's something I've like watched very carefully this year with him. But at the same time, he his handle really limits that. Where PJ offensively, I think, has improved way more than people realize. His numbers look very similar, but the amount of like time with the ball in his hand, he's driving a lot on closeouts. And that's like really exciting to see. He's a better shooter, and he's like a good like pick and pop big. For me, PJ's clearly the guy to move forward with, and he's a guy who I could see as being a solid starter. He could be a 3.5 option on a like quite high level, maybe like, you know, three to five seed team. And I just don't see the same with Miles Bridges, uh, which is like, I'm with you. I think I don't know what you move Bridges for in the offseason, but I would rather move Bridges for something of value in the offseason than pay him, what, four years, 48 million, four years, 55 million. Like, I don't know what that number would be. But it's like going to be significant because he does put up highlights and numbers and is a, a guy who is beloved, I'm certain. Yeah, and with those guys, yeah, you mentioned the the handling thing. And also PJ has his problems with that. But I, I really believe that handling uh, with PJ is, is great and is better and is getting better, uh, especially uh, from what we saw last year that he really struggled struggled to drive to the rim he and dribble beat like a simple close out. Yeah. yeah, at all. Like this year, it's he's been able to like actually close out and score on layups. I'm completely with you. Yeah, and with Miles, we we can we may see a situation like Kelly Uber with the Suns that he played a really good uh, you know brand of game, especially from outside the team. But they didn't want to pay him, and they sent to the Wizards, and then he he went again to the to to Golden State where we had right now. So if we want, we don't want to pay him. Um, I think that this summer could be a really good moment to trade him because his value is pretty good right now, especially because a lot of teams are watching, you know, House of Highlights and yeah, things yeah. like that. So this could be an option for sure. Where do you land on the Graham Monk Rogier? Like, I think that is going to be a question that has to be answered this summer. And would you rather sign both Graham and Monk and miss out on a Rashawn Holmes type? Or would you be prepared to let one of those guys walk in order to bring in a like a big man in this offseason? Yeah, okay. Um, this is really tough again. Uh, I mentioned it before, but I think that Rozier is going to stay with us. I think uh, so too. I don't, I, yeah. yeah, I don't see um, any type of trade that we are going to make this summer. Uh, something could happen in the next year if uh, things are not going well because... Uh, his contract uh, decreases, and he's gonna be a uh, um, you know a, um, a expiring contract. So he will have a lot of value, but this is not the case. And I, I also I also see um, you know a future in which we are gonna retain him uh, even after the, this contract is gonna expire. So let's uh, you know count him out of the, the the equation for a moment. Yeah, I think that's a fair and thing. To do. Yeah, with the with the Monk, Monk and Graham situation, I think that this summer we go, we're gonna have uh, to um, you know um, let one of them go 
especially because you you put it in in a good way that we are going to need to address the five even before that talking with those two uh, players because the five is a really huge problem. Uh, yes, we drafted two project at the, at that spot, but I don't know if uh, you know in September 2020. 2021 uh, they're going to be ready to start a season so uh, I- i'm not sure about that so we're gonna need to to sign a number five and then uh talk about retaining one between monk and graham and this is tough because um with monk uh, i really like what he's showing and i really like you know what he does with us on the court but even with him he is not consistent and he has those problems that we underlined with Mice and PJ uh, because he has a 40-point game and then shot is not falling and he's not scoring and he's stagnant and he settled for bad jump shots. And, you know, with defense, yes, he's improved from his rookie season, but he's still, you know, an average player on defense and he has his moments also in that side of the floor. And with Graham, I think that right now he's a better option for a team that is pushes that is pushing for the playoff, and he is starting to prove that uh, in this situation without without Lamelo and with his shot falling a little bit much more, uh, but. Uh, he struggles a lot at finishing, you know, no, I, he can't finishing uh, to the basket because uh, he's so small and he doesn't have, you know, the, the handles and the quick, sh- quick first step to go to the basket. And this is struggling to see because he can just shoot from different position and from the three-point line and then not nothing more. But what I saw in the, in those post All Star when he came back from the injury, that he's defend is defending a little bit better than he was um, in the first part of the season, and I think that the the work that he does for our team with uh, you know his presence and communication part and defense and organizing an offense, um, we don't give him much credit for that. And I think that is really vital for a team that is trying to push uh, for the playoff uh, hunt. And then age is a factor. And then you will, you will again think that Monk is the better option. But if right now I'm, I'm going to need to choose, I would like to retain Graham. Also because you're going to retain him on a cheaper contract than Monk. I think oh, that... Oh, interesting. Um, I, I don't know if that's the yeah. case, but that that would be uh, definitely change the calculus for me, certainly. Uh, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure about that because Monk is, uh, is, a, is younger and he was drafted higher. So I think that his approach to this summer uh, is going to be um, really, you know, uh, I don't want to be uh, bad in putting in this, but he's going to ask a lot of money. Uh, if he's... Uh, ends the season pretty well Uh, and this is not the case with Graham because Graham knows and had a lot of struggles Uh, he is a second rounder and he is older so he can accept you know a longer deal with less money and this would be really helpful for us because you would have Lamelo, Graham and then you have Award, and then you can also address the five position 
pretty easily with saving those money. So uh, this is the idea that I have going to the to the next free agency and with the the contract situation that we underlined right now. Yeah, if you if I had to make the decision right now, I would definitely go Graham moving forward. I think he is a better playmaker and someone who can really play the backup point guard role at a high level. I don't trust Monk running a second unit in the same way. I'm happy with Monk on the second unit, like even if he starts and is like with the second unit doing a lot of the scoring, but in terms of having a good backup point guard for 48 minutes, which is something I think you really need if you don't have that wing initiator type, I don't believe in Monk's ability to do it. Now, going with Monk's age, Monk is one month older than Miles Bridges. He is a year older than PJ Washington. He is still like very, very young. And if he's kind of put it together and he just keeps building off what he has done this past season, it's going to look foolish to let him go in free agency. I worry that this year is more of an aberration than something that is consistent. For me, the contract is a really interesting question. And I know some people aren't as interested in like cap stuff as I am, for instance. But I think Graham is going to get paid more just because of the fact he is an unrestricted free agent where Malik Monk has that restricted free agency offer. And I don't think Malik Monk is quite good enough for a team to be like, cool, I'm going to tie up $17 million in cap space in order to try to sign Malik Monk. Now, if there is a team who's going to do it, I guess it's the Knicks. It'd be like the Knicks or the Mavericks are the two major teams with cap space. I don't really see the Mavericks doing it. But the Knicks, he was rumored to want to go there pre-draft. That is a possibility. Graham also, I don't know if he has a huge market. He's a small point guard. He is someone who, he's shooting like 36% or something from two this year, which is like so bad. It's so bad. When you have a higher three-point percentage than a two-point percentage, like that is a big flaw on a player. And that's like, they're both flawed. And the question is, do you take the guy who I know he kind of knows his limitations, but still provides positive things? or the guy who might actually be a big minus for you in the long term, but has a much higher upside. And that's a tough question for a team who is at this point where we're winning, but we're also like not as that good. You know, we're not better than five teams in the East very easily. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with them, because if you retain both of them, you almost certainly know that you are not going to reach the next level going forward for the next season, because... Okay, we have a lot of good to great players, uh, you know, some more good and also a little bit of them that are great players, but you still have that center position problems. And yes, mobile is cool and uh, we can use a lot of forwards, but it is a problem and you cannot uh, reach the playoff consistently without addressing it. Yeah, uh, before we go... I think it's worth mentioning the Brad Wanamaker trade. It's kind of a pretty meh in terms of things go. I was really hoping we'd get at least a second round pick for that roster spot in cap space. But uh, I'm glad uh, Michael Jordan made a little bit of money on the deal. And, you know, we got to feel good about that. Man, I'm a big fan of that trade for real. So I was waiting uh, the world trade deadline uh, staring at the phone and then at the... You know, 3 p.m., 
the the Wanamaker trade happened, and I was really, you know, I was I wasn't bragging about that because it was a strange move for sure. Uh, I was laughing because I mean it's fun to, to see Brad Wanamaker at the end of the trade deadline, you know, at the buzzer for the Hornets, and then you know started joking with my friends. But I really like the move, being serious for a moment, uh, because um, he played a lot here in Europe, so uh, I've kind of know the guy a little bit, and he's been, you know, he's a good pro. Uh, he's a good veteran. Uh, he also ha- he also is the the oldest team uh, guy on the team right now. So I think he can provide something. He's also a good defender um, and a good you know playmaker when the when the ball is in his hands. So I think that he can have a role in this team. Uh, Borrego tried to you know uh, put in him in the mix with the Suns game, but. Uh, because Caleb Martin wasn't playing good, uh, but that wasn't the case. Um, I think that going on, he can have some minutes, especially if Monk and Graham are struggling and Monk isn't consistent. Uh, We are going to see a good bit of Brad Bonamaker. I mean, this guy last year played the Eastern Conference Finals and also played two games with uh, the ball a lot on his hands. And the... I mean, he could be there. So if he played on the Easter Conference Finals, I think that he could be um, a good rotation player. And we talk about the end of the rotation right now uh, for the Hornets that uh, provide us veteran leadership and experience uh, in particular situations. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. There's a chance. Like, he's totally fine. And he's a guy that, you know, would I rather have him or Cody Martin handling the ball like if we're trying to win i think it's clearly wanamaker um but uh filippo thank you so much for coming on man do you have anything you want to plug before we hop off here today uh i mean thank you for giving me the you know this opportunity to be here because it was a great a great talk and i'm a really big fan of your profile on twitter Uh, i appreciate out there uh, I don't know if you noticed that, but um, since you appeared on my Twitter timeline, I've stopped, you know, uh, having clips uh, on my account and saving clips for game because, I mean, I, as I wake up, watch the game here in Europe, and then I go to your profile and everything is there. <laughs> and so I'm going to chill a little bit more. Yeah, so... It's a lot, of, a lot easier for me. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send thanks for you, and I'm a huge fan. And thanks for having me again. All right, man. Well, uh, this is the At the Buzzer podcast. Uh, if you guys like the show, let us know. If there's anything you want us to talk about in the future, if you're still listening, also let us know. Thanks so much, everybody. All right, everybody, thanks again for checking out the At The Buzzer podcast, your source for everything related to the Charlotte Hornets. Feel free to leave a review, rate, subscribe on any of your favorite podcast platforms, and stay tuned for much more related to your Charlotte Hornets.